It's morning. It's a show. Sometimes it's about woodworking. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Good morning. It's the morning show. I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. The Woodworking Morning Show. Uh, one of these days I will get it right. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, so, uh, of course, if you watched the uh, the beginning, you saw all those names. I'm going to very quickly, as fast as I can, read all the names of the great people who helped us out I'm gonna time at you. Patreon. Ready? I'm going to time you. Here we go. Uh, Riley Berenger, John Veralt, Kate Saltel, Jason Perry, Wayne Kate. Wallison, Jim Rumsey, Rick Feld- Fieldman, uh, Josh Martin, Nelson Cannon, Plain Marks, Will Hooper, Adam Ludwig, Back Road Rustics, Matthew Metz Sr., Mike McMahon, Beverly and Dick Pearson, Ryan Lavalley, Jeff Gunstone, Doug Johnson, Brian Glasspole, Scott Copper, Rex Bowman, Verlin Jensen, Douglas Holt, uh, James Woodward, and Brandon Terry. Thank you so much, everybody, for helping out. We're, we're going to be caught up, I think, mm-hmm. next week. We'll Woo-hoo! finally be caught up. Hey, guess what? What? I didn't time you. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, and if you want to help us out, get your name announced on the show like that, uh, you can do so at patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. And other goodies. Uh, for those of you that are at the <sighs> pin level... Uh, my pens are delayed a little bit due to uh, delays. Yeah, <laughs> is delayed no, because it's due, of delays. It's due to the coronavirus. Well, that's causing a lot of interesting yeah. manufacturing things. Yeah, to so happen. Uh, people are just—they want to know what the Easter egg was last week because you did it. You announced it on. Okay. it's not there. It's anymore. not here anymore. It's over there. If you want to know what it is. Uh, if you have any children listening, any children present, I'm going to give you five seconds to cover their ears. Not that this is that big of a deal. It's not. But still, I don't know people's sensibilities. Everyone has a different... The uh... password is... Nipple. Okay, so kids are not listening. It was a penis. It was a small, blue, 3D printed, erect penis. That some guy just gave to you at Some guy had him at WorkbenchCon <laughs> and was passing him out. He had a big bag of them. And uh, they actually are great pencil toppers. Yeah. It would be great to make an eraser like that. Yeah. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. But anyway, that's all it was. But it was so tiny sitting up ah, here. Ah, we're immature. No one, could, uh, no one could make it out. It's all right. Look, peepees are funny, Nicole. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a ton of questions here. I've got some pre-selected uh, from our patrons. And Nicole is monitoring the chat room and we'll grab live questions as we go. Does that sound good? I think that sounds great. Let's do a show, Nicole. Let's do it. Okay, so I have questions here that I have not previewed. That's and you right. guys know that's always entertaining <laughs> because you never know what's hey, going to happen. Do we want to address the wonderful shirt? Oh, hello, first. shirt. I'm going to address you. How are you? I made that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is the new morning show shirts. And Nicole has been getting into a lot of like quilting stuff. And I guess the quilting with the backing material mm-hmm. or whatever it is, she has press. like a heat press deal. So she started making some t-shirts. And we're thinking about just doing a small like mom run. and pop type run. Affordable. Of, yeah, make it as affordable as possible. T-shirts that say the morning show. And this is this is mine. You can't have this one. <laughs> Not that anyone would want it after <laughs> I sure. wore it. Yeah. Uh, but this is uh, what it's going to look like. This is the color, right? Mm-hmm. Is this the color we're going for? I think so. I like the darker color. Okay. So, so. these... Um, We'll and we do... have a ladies cut too. So That's I have right. two shirts that I just got in this morning that I'm going to test out and see how they fit. Yeah. So, so we're going to basically have a pre-order and we'll announce that officially next week. We just wanted you to see the shirt ahead of yeah. time. Uh, and uh, we won't have a lot of variety on the pre-order. We're yeah. going to have like one color, two different cuts for men and women and then all the sizes uh, only because Nicole's actually doing this and it's in our basement. And <laughs> she already spends enough time down there. So uh, I did want to give a quick thank you to Nathan Fought, who sent us a package that was hidden on your desk that mm. I, for like two weeks, That's I didn't know where it things go missing, Nicole. It does. So he turned some beautiful pens and we had mm. a guild secret Santa and I had a few orphans and he was kind enough to send those orphans some nice turn pens. So I'll Nathan, I just wanted to say thank you again. Uh, I'm so glad you touched base with me so I could go on a hunt for these. The Is missing. this uh, purple heart and mm-hmm. walnut? Yep. Wow, these are nice. Very lightweight too. They feel yeah. really good in hand. Really nice stuff. He just said, I want to say thank you for all you do and I appreciate the, your kindness. I hope you find my handcrafted pens useful in the shop or office. Yep, I'm, I would like to have these in the office. I want this one. Oh, you took the purple heart one? Yeah. You stinker. <laughs> Fine, I'll take the walnut one. Uh, you know, another thing you guys may have just seen, not a huge deal, but I, th- I think it's cool. Uh, we're going to be selling 
these. We are selling these. Yeah, Currently, right you can go buy these. Um, years ago, my buddy Ron uh, had a CNC machine and he would just sometimes run, you know, for whatever reason, try different things. And he's like, hey, I made a bunch of circle templates. You have a, a use for those. I was like, heck yeah, there's a lot of times where I need just some weird diameter. If I had a template, uh, for whether it's for like drawing plans or actually using them for routing, they would be super handy. Um, but he gave me a weird selection. They weren't all even numbers, so I still have them up on the wall there. And I was like, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to, number one, have it for myself, but then, since I have the CNC, let me batch out as many of these as I can and make these circle templates for people so that if you need to make circles anywhere from like three inches onward to like 12 inches, that's where we capped it off. Um, these are three quarters of an inch wide. They're great for routing at the router table with like a pattern bit, or you could just use them for drawing, you know, kind of like how we all, well, not all of us, but I'm sure a lot of us have like French curves and different template sets for drawing. Uh, you can use them for that as well. So everything from, from three inches to 12 in one nice little set. And, you know, bringing everything in house these days. Mm -hmm. It was made right here in the shop yeah. on the uh, Paramatic CNC. I, I see the circles on the CNC. There's an <laughs> another one that was just completed this morning. That's cool. Dougie's so, butt is doing fine. Yeah, he's back to normal. Yeah, just had a little uh, bacterial overgrowth situation. Yeah, he ate some chips. Yeah, he, his stomach, like Millie, Millie can eat anything. Anything. She's got a, a stomach of steel, and she does eat a lot of things she shouldn't because she's sneaky. Uh, but Dougie can't handle it. <laughs> he tries to. She does this thing where she just kind of goes. <laughs> she, she manages to get her teeth out. And she looks a little bit like, you ever see like, um, uh, like a horse, yes. right? Where they, their lip is almost like a prehensile lip. Yeah. And their, their gums and teeth come out. That's what Millie does. Uh, another, All right. Another thing I wanted to mention was, um, oh, crap. What? I forgot what I was going to say. Oh. I love that that happened to you because it happens to me all the time. I just was so I had the image of the a horse's teeth <laughs> in my head and it wiped out everything else I was going to say. Okay, whatever. Uh, let's move on to some I'm questions. I'm sure you'll think about it. Retrace your steps, yeah. your mental steps. It was something. Oh, I, here it is. <laughs> I think we're going to delay all the good I stuff know, know. as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, so Mateo walks in to the shop this morning and I mm. quickly run out and popped a, a, a sheet of MDF on the CNC and had it running. So he's like, what is that? And he comes over and looks at it and he goes, that is so cool. And he goes, uh, what, what exactly did he say? Uh, it's like a robot or Well, something. I said it's like a robot woodworker. He goes, dad, you don't need to, to build furniture anymore. You could just have that do it. I was like, exactly, son. That's correct. And so to continue sounding like a YouTube commenter, he then goes on to say, well, so how much did that cost? Did you get it for free? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, son, that's a, that's a conversation for a different time. Yeah. And stop being a YouTube commenter. So. It's live in person. <laughs> uh, we're raising one, Nicole. Yeah. Okay, so Evan Malden wrote in. He says, hey, guys, first and foremost, I want to thank you for all the insight you provided throughout the years. I'm a full-time woodworker, and I feel constantly... Uh, battling a saturated market of items being sold for almost nothing by those who use woodworking as a side hustle. Would you consider it a wise marketing strategy too, uh, without naming names or pointing fingers, explain to potential clients why furniture grade lumber and traditional joinery make my pieces worth a higher asking price? I feel it is my responsibility to educate potential clients who may never know to ask about things like moisture content and joinery, but do not want to seem like I am doing so in a snobby way. Mm -hmm. Evan, if I were in your shoes, I would be singing that gospel. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I would be telling people and playing up the quality side of what you do, the reason why it's worth spending money with you. Now, prior to this, you know, let's say what, what's happened in the last maybe 10 years, this influx of side hustlers, um, but that really does make it sound negative though, doesn't it? it? Does, when you it say does. it that way, uh, people who are doing this on the side, uh, even before that, it was still hard to get yeah. clients. That's right? why we started the Wood Whisperer. The original idea for the Wood Whisperer was to say, I'm going to document the process of building something so that I can give that almost as like a value add to a customer to show them why they paid me so much money to make a table and why a stack of hardwood just sitting there doesn't magically become a table. That whole yeah. process and letting them see all the steps was my way of trying to do what you're doing. I was trying to show them the value. Your job now is even harder, right? At the time, all I had was to try to convince people not to go to Walmart, right? Now your challenge is to convince people not to go to Walmart, but also not to go to like Jim Bob Mart and get <laughs> one from the, from the neighbor, you yeah. know? So it, it, is, it is a big challenge, but that's what you gotta do. You gotta play up, uh, yeah. you know, 
how would you look at it? You, you need to find your market. I mean, if you have high-end quality furniture, yeah. try to find an interior designer that is looking for specific pieces for house who have who have access to the clientele that you're aiming for. Yeah, so. and then ultimately, the, if you want to look at the long game, a lot of these people who are buying some of those pieces of furniture will eventually. Um, become sort of disenchanted with it when they start to see what the quality actually is. And then hopefully it won't sour them to custom furniture completely and instead will make them go, well, maybe I should look for someone who's been doing this for a little mm -hmm. bit longer. Let me look at their portfolio. What kind of woods do they use? Um, but education is a huge part portfolio of that. Portfolio is huge too. I know whenever I'm looking, it's always disappointing to me when I go to somebody's website and there's, number one, it's hard to find their work and mm -hmm. I have to dig for it. But then it's if it's light and it's like I want to see a lot. You know what's even bigger of a problem though is this advice and his question operates under the assumption that all the side hustling going out there is it's, garbage. Work. Yeah, it's not. And the problem is the bigger problem for you are the guys who are doing it who can just afford to charge less and they actually do work that's as good as yours. That's a tricky thing. That, that's what makes this difficult. And the new technology that we have easy access to, we we're just talking about CNC, that certainly makes some things easier or makes it easier for people to, to produce better work. That is a big challenge, and I don't have an answer for that. Mm -hmm. you know, what do you do? You find your niche. You find, your you, you find a way. Niche. Yeah, you find a niche or you find that, that special customer. Um, I, I don't know. That's a big topic, though. Find your Ed. <laughs> yeah, my, my Ed. That guy was great. I mean, it's really about building your name. Mm -hmm. You know, getting your work in museums and stuff like that. You say that as if that's, <laughs> I know, I know. It's look, I, I, all you got to do, guys. All you got to do. All you got to do is get your work into a museum, and you are set. <laughs> but no, that's my point. <laughs> I mean, you think about some. Why? Why does someone want a piece from Krenoff, or someone want a piece? Oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, a Maloof they were chair they were just a woodworker. Tons of people are making Maloof chairs, yeah. but not many people actually have that. Can, can say that they have an actual Maloof chair. Right, right. All right, let's move on. Uh, Mike Davies says, when should you bother to pre-raise the grain before finishing? I guess I assumed it was before water-based finishes, but I did an oil-based one last weekend that seemed that it could have used it as well. Wood pieces, um, wood species-based maybe, or just always that I'm an idiot for not doing it all the time. Mike, uh, like you, most of the time, I only pre-raise if I'm going to be using something that's water-based. Um, a lot of times if you don't pre-raise the grain and you're not doing any kind of a stain, doesn't really matter that much. Like you could still, after that first coat goes on, if you see some grain raising going on, you have an opportunity to lightly sand. You probably would have lightly sanded anyway after that first coat. So the fact that you didn't pre-raise the grain isn't a, it's not a game over situation. So a lot of times though with things like the newer um, hard wax oil finishes, you're not building a film, right? So when you're, using, when you're using those, you need the wood to be nice and soft and you're not really going to sand it aggressively after the first coat of oil, especially because it takes a while for that oil to cure. So pre-raising the grain, even though it's oil-based, you still can get a better finish when it's all said and done and you don't have the opportunity to sand the way you would with a standard film finish. Uh, if you use a polyurethane, a lacquer, a shellac, after that first coat goes on, you still have that opportunity to smooth the surface and you still have finish left in the fibers. So a lot of times, instead of pre-raising the grain, if I know I'm going to be sanding aggressively or somewhat aggressively after that first coat anyway, it's not a bad idea to put a little bit of finish. So like a lacquer, you could do a very diluted lacquer almost as a pre-sealer. Put that down, uh, you know, and then if the grain raises at all, then you just kind of sand it down a little bit. But uh, it is something that is most prevalent with water-based solutions. So it's not as big of a deal with oil-based and water-based. Again, unless you're doing a non-film finish uh, like a Rubio Monaco, Osmo, things like that. I got plenty here. If you want to throw one in, we can do it. Why one does here. the clock say Thursday? Yeah, why does it say Thursday? Uh, because I probably said it wrong the other day. <laughs> it's Friday. Here's the problem. The uh, the whole leap year thing. Oh, yeah. A manual. Well, it's, yeah. it's not a digital clock, right? So it in order for it to be correct every three years, yeah. it doesn't give you February 29th. It rolls right past it. So and it was March 1st. Right. So yeah. I, had oh, okay. to, I had to reset it and get it right, but I guess I got the day wrong. <laughs> It's Thursday. It's not Thursday. But I got the day right. It's Friday. March 6th, right? It's yeah, I'll today. fix it. Yeah. Charles Masters says, uh, thanks for what you do. Mark, I'm glad you had fun and got some cool ideas at WorkbenchCon. Now to my question. I really like to work with red oak, even though it loves to splinter. 
Uh, it splits and has open green. I have up to this point simply sanded my projects and I'm now attempting to get into the use of hand tools such as planes. I love the feel and clarity of the wood after it has been planed, but I've been running into trouble where there's a knot or a wavy grain in the board surface trying to figure out which tool to use to achieve a smooth finish. Do I need to learn how to use card scrapers so that I can adjust uh, the angle of attack and the direction? Let's see, or is there some other technique or tool that I need to be looking at? Thanks, Chuck. Okay, so, <clears throat> you know, I don't do a lot of this, right? You know, I, I do like to use hand tools, but a lot of times my finishing uh, passes are done with a card scraper and then sanding. Um, if it's a small piece and I can kind of get it in one pass with a plane, I might use a smoother on it because you're right. I mean, a hand plane surface is, you know, one of the, the best things that you could possibly have on a project. That's awesome. But when you get into a bigger tabletop, then you have to worry about overlapping strokes, possibly cambering the blade so that you don't have the, the corners digging in. There's a lot to consider when you, when you are doing a bigger surface. Uh, so I would definitely start to look at card scrapers. If you have difficult grain, if you have a knot, things like that, you certainly want to use something that isn't going to gouge and cause you big problems. Uh, but you also have the option to move to things like a high angle on there. So a high angle frog, or if you have a um, bevel up plane, you can use a different blade. In fact, some of mine <clears throat> over here, each of these, I have a spare blade in the back. I think one is ground to 25 and the other is ground to 50. So if I'm using a really figured wood or something that's just temperamental, I go with the higher angle and that tends to be a little bit more forgiving. But still, man, you hit a knot or you just hit some nasty grain, even with that 50 degree angle, you may still have a problem. So you do want to be careful around those. Um, and learning how to use a scraper is not a bad thing because after you do a big surface with a plane, you may very well have marks between your passes. They may be slight, but you catch it on the right light, you might see it. So going over it with a fine scraper afterwards is never a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, Nicole. Uh, Alan Lillich, thank you for your super chat. He says, I'm with Nicole. 2X podcast hurt my brain. Me too. I don't know what's wrong with you people. So thank you, Alan. Uh, I got a question here from Leo. Leo says, hi, Mark. How do you become, how did you become to be on that panel at WorkbenchCon since you explained you would just be an attendee and would hide behind Matt? It's a great question. <laughs> I've been asking myself that ever since I said yes. <laughs> What happened was uh, we have a working relationship with Firm Grip Gloves. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done a few ad campaigns with them. And uh, they asked if I, since I was going, and I was like, I don't even know how they knew. <laughs> like, well, rumor has it, Rumor has it. You said, you said on the show and uh, Brenda follows. But it happened really fast. Yeah. Like, I booked the ticket <laughs> and then got the email. Well, I'm wondering if, because they were a sponsor of yeah, the show. Yeah, they are a sponsor of the show, so they might have seen a name Maybe. tag or something. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, they asked, and I said, so what's the panel about? And they said, like, you know, brand partnerships and uh, do's and don'ts. But I said, so is it a presentation or a panel? She said, it's a panel. Panels are easy because all you have to do is answer questions. Yeah. So I was like, I could do a panel all day long. Um, and I'm going there. I'm going to be there anyway. I, I guess I'll do it. Yeah. And honestly, I just felt bad. It wasn't a paid. <laughs> it wasn't a paid venture. There was no uh, compensation for it whatsoever. Um, and I thought, well, I'm going to be there. Why not? And a panel. Again, panels are easy. If yeah. I if I was asked to do a presentation, <clears throat> that'd be a definite no. Yeah. And I had to be careful because this time last year after WorkbenchCon, mm -hmm. they contacted me and asked about being a speaker yeah. or possibly doing a keynote or something. And I was like, ah, no, no thanks. You're like, that's ah, a little bit too much stress. Yeah, so I was kind of like, well, I got to be careful because I already said I wasn't interested to the, the, you yeah, know, yeah, the yeah. workbench con itself. <clears throat> so that's all that, that it was. It was, was just. It was a stealthy. It was. A, I felt bad not no, doing it. It, it felt just. I uh, think it was It was nice that you were there. Yeah. And, it, and, and there are a lot of people that don't necessarily know how to work with companies. Yeah. I honestly don't know how helpful the whole panel was. <laughs> a lot of times you got a bunch of people who are just throwing spaghetti on a wall and hoping something sticks, yeah. you know, and then sharing their recipe for that spaghetti. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Water. Boil it. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Chris Kalnassi says, it's chisel time. Excellent. Woo, 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 woo. Chisel, chisel. <clears throat> Put on your best Wayne's World hat. Uh, anyhow, since I have returned my blue spruce chisels, Mark, any suggestions on where to go? I still have my newer non-vintage Stanley Sweethearts, but I know my choices are pre-vest. Uh, Ashley, two cherries, some Japanese variant, Veritas. I do um, 
He's got some Narex, uh, or Norex. Norex. Mortising chisels as well, so that seems to be covered. You know, I went with the PMV11. They make some good steel, yo. Uh, the handles leave a little bit to be desired. I had to refinish my handles because <laughs> I'm very picky. Uh, but I did like the, the Veritas. If you don't mind waiting for a while, they're always on back order. Um, but you know what? You mentioned some great brands. All of those are serviceable chisels. And I think one of the disservices, Nicole, mm -hmm. is that really bothering you? It's bothering the chat. Well, then just take it down. Okay. <laughs> Don't fix it. Take it down because it takes a long time to, to roll that thing around. That's <clears throat> yeah, that's a huge distraction. Just put it down, please. Okay. <laughs> what if I, just... I want to fix it? <laughs> I can do what I this want. This is what happens when a married couple does a show. <laughs> is this, you get this kind of magic happening. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, one of the disservices I think I do with people is when I appear indecisive about something like that, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that the way our business is structured, I can justify buying a couple sets of chisels, playing with them and deciding which one I like the best and then sending the others back. You know, it's just, it's all a business expense. Uh, and it gives me some perspective to be able to help you guys if you say, hey, what do you think about these? So, you know, the, when the blue spruce thing didn't work out, I really wanted to try the PMV 11 and I picked those up. Ultimately, in the end, if I were really being completely honest with myself about what's truly necessary, those Stanley Sweethearts are fantastic chisels. They'd be great. And, uh, and I probably wouldn't even notice a difference. It, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where I think I tend to overanalyze these things just because of the position I'm in. You know, so don't, any one of those brands you mentioned is going to give you a great serviceable chisel. I don't think it's a problem. Right now, I do think Veritas has a bit of a leg up just because they've got the PMV11 steel that no one else has. So, so Woods and Wood, Wood, Words and Wood said, Mark, I attended that panel at uh, WorkbenchCon and found it to be very valuable. Oh, uh, best takeaway <laughs> was that all of us YouTubers are supposed to keep your hands off Powermatic. That's Mark's gig. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the Ginger Woodworks guy <laughs> said something about Powermatic, and I was like, hey, hey, lay off. <laughs> That's my money. Not for you. Uh, okay, what have we got next? Um, Don Brewer, what's your favorite double stick tape? Have you used it on the CNC for work holding? Yes. It's over there. I don't know the brand. This is a roll of tape that I think one of the times that Jason went to pick up lumber at Austin Hardwoods, they were trying a new brand. So they said, here, give this to Mark, let him test it out, let us know what you think. I got to go, I can't see it, and Jason's not here to grab it. But um, He's getting uh, MDF. He's on his way to Austin <laughs> Hardwoods right now. So what about the video you said, stop buying double stick tape? That's fine. That's still a very valid thing. Yeah. That is easy to do when you have real good control over placement, but when you're putting down a two by four panel on a CNC, it's a little harder to get the blue tape to be in just the right spot so that the CA glue doesn't get all over the place. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is a very valid way to do things. I just have to be careful with this new method. So the double stick tape is something that I'm using on the CNC, it works great. Um, but in the past I used to get, um, shoot, it was sold as Turner's tape, but it was at Rockler. So I would, if I didn't have that stuff, I'd probably just go buy that again. Was it called Turner's Tape? Turner's Tape at Rockler. Oh, I'll take a look. Turn. Here's the thing. I almost always inevitably hear from people about different grades. Excuse me. Yeah, Is that's that it. it. Double-sided Turner's Tape. And it's never the same. Like sometimes the backing is really impossible to take off. Other times it's easy to take off. So it's hard to tell which one you're getting. And that may not be the same stuff that I had before. Mm -hmm. That may be the one where people have trouble getting the backer off. Gotcha. So double-sided tape is a little bit, it's a sticky situation, Nicole. <laughs> it's a very tricky, sticky situation. <laughs> uh, okay. I got a, a super chat here from Russell. Russell says, I'm looking at getting some mobile bases for some large tools I just purchased. Do you recommend any? Uh, I'm looking at the Portimate Heavy Duty with extensions. Thanks for all you do. Yeah, the Portimate stuff is good. That's what I have. Um, if it isn't a Powermatic supplied mobile base, every other mobile base that I have in the shop is a Portimate. Great quality. If the price is in your budget, I don't see any reason to look any, any further. Get, but It's the Bora Portimate, right? Yeah, and they, I think they have them on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, those are great. If it fits your needs, I say uh, go for it. <laughs> so someone said that the four thumbs down are for people who thought it was Thursday. <laughs> They're upset about the Thursday. <laughs> the funny thing about the thumbs down is um, this is the most optional show that you could possibly run across. You know what I mean? Like if you're here watching, you must want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so it it's hilarious to me that someone thumbs it down. It's like we move we move this over to a whole different channel. 
So, like, only people who really want to watch it can watch it. Anyway. It's all right. That's just me talking like I do. Rick Feldman says, I've been asked to do some woodworking projects at a camp this summer for middle school students. Do you have any suggestions for simple projects to do with them other than building a birdhouse? Oh, shoot. Uh, how about like a little tool caddy? Um, they, you know, just like a little thing. I know when I was at that age, if I had a place where I could, you know, get a screwdriver and maybe a little saw, just my own little collection of tools uh, and a thing to put it in, I think that would be super exciting. Um, what else do you think for kids? So he says, besides a birdhouse, I just gave him like a tool tote idea. Kids project, middle school kids. Middle school kids. What are middle school kids like? Can you make a Nintendo Switch? <laughs> Because I think they'd appreciate that. Uh, like a, a keepsake, like a box to keep. Yeah. I mean. Coins. Right. It? Depending on their interest know. level, you can get a little storage box for, yeah. for their little. Uh, Bakugans. Yeah. Put all their little collectible things in there or their Pokemon little cards. Squishies. Uh, yeah, I don't know how. I mean, I guess this might be a problem in 2020 with parents being what they are. But like something that shoots would be great. Yeah. Like a slingshot or Ooh, a, a rubber, rubber band, band gun. gun. Um, I don't again. I don't know how parents might I feel love, about that, but that would, I bet you you would get kids excited about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, a chat room. If you guys have any, uh, off the top of my head, I'm not giving great ideas, but if chat room, if you guys have any ideas for kids projects, so when throw I it in there. was so I did uh, shop class in middle school, mm-hmm. and I the shop teacher had a, a bunch of different projects that we can work on. I made my mom this really. It's probably not that pretty. <laughs> In my memory, it was amazing. But it's like this little mirror, and it had like a little stand on it. It was a little mm-hmm. holder. Uh, I think my, my I think I have my brother's still, but I don't know where mine is. Okay. And then I also had um, a little plant holder. It was like scroll shape or scroll shop or whatever. Sc- scroll shop? I don't know what I'm saying. It was... We used the scroll saw like to a, make a, like a... scroll a, pattern? Yeah, a scroll pattern. It was like a dog, and then it was like a little... Thing in the middle of the dog. Yeah. Oh, there you go. A tiny catapult. A little trebuchet. <laughs> no, those are easy to make. Yeah. Yeah, that actually would be a fun project. And you could put um, marshmallows in it. Oh, a marshmallow yeah. no, that trebuchet. Is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be really cool. iPhone tablet holder. Those are, but those are my two ideas, the two that I did when I was in middle school. Selfie stick, iPhone tablet holder. You guys have some great ideas. That's good. <laughs> a bookshelf. Okay. Uh, Gary Grimm. Happy Friday. The next upgrade to my shop is proper dust collection. I've been using a shop vac with the Dust Deputy Cyclone, which has proven insufficient for pulling all the dust from my table saw, bandsaw, etc. Do you have any advice on must-have features to look for and to avoid? Do you think I can get away with something on 120? Thanks. Yeah, absolutely, Gary. There's a big step from, you know, what you're doing with the shop vac to a full-scale, you know, five-horsepower 220 Cyclone. There's a lot of stuff in between there, and a lot of it is in 120. So there's a lot of really good roll-around models. Uh, you're going to have to shop around because there's a lot of different brands. Uh, we just talked about one on Wood Talk recently that Rockler came up with. It's a nice, small, compact unit. has a pleated filter on the top with a little cleaning thing. You know, just makes it easy to clean. Uh, that might be one to look into. Um, but there are other ones that fit that same category. Um, what I would shoot for certainly is one that has the filter systems, if, if it's in the budget, uh, rather than getting the filter bags. So those big bags that they have, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you turn a dust collector on and the bags just kind of inflate. Uh, those generally are not going to be as effective as a true either HEPA filter or some sort of pleated filter in terms of how small the particles are that it can catch, right? So look for that. Look for ease of clean out. You know, some of these are easier to clean than others. I think the worst of them, my least favorite ones, are the ones where there's like some kind of a strap band that you have to take off and then you take the bottom thing and it's a loose sack and as you're walking into the garbage can, dust is going everywhere. Um, look for something that has a really good thoughtful uh, cleaning mechanism in place. Um, if you want to go to something even more high-powered but still portable, uh, Laguna and I think Powermatic, maybe even others, have that sort of portable cyclone that has a little uh, drum underneath. And you just kind of lift the lid off and roll the drum out and then put it back in when it's done and put the lever down. Um, but again, that's going to the upper echelon of pricing. And I don't know about their power requirements, so you might want to look into that. Hey, uh I just got an email. Today's the sixth, right? Yep. Sure. Uh, power or not Powermatic? Jet. Mm-hmm. The, the other part of Powermatic is having a sale right now. Ten percent oh, really? off uh, all their tools. Ten percent off. Ten percent. You heard it here, folks. Yep. Go get your white tools. 
So all woodworking and accessories until the 16th. Uh-huh. So there you go. Oh, Tommaso, stop it, you. He says, What's is he jet doing? quality still crappy? <laughs> I, I like all my, any, anything yeah, that I've had jet, jet, I've always really liked them. But, you know, who am I? What do I know? What do you know? Can't trust my opinion anyway because they're a sponsor. You know, that's why I don't do reviews of their tools, Nicole. Yeah. You know that? Yeah. That's why. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Uh, Will you Hoover. just use them all the time. I just use them all the time. It's <laughs> an implied review. Yes. Okay. Uh, lost, lost, <laughs> let's see. Okay, there we go. Will Hooper says, what's the best? That sounded like a very fake laugh. Well, it, Scott Miller just did a super chat and it's a mic drop. Oh, like, nice. What it, that's new. Yeah, it's animated. Yeah, that's pretty that. cool. Thanks, Scott. What's the best type of finish to use on a bookshelf that'll be in front of a window and gets lots of sunlight? What? <sighs> A bookshelf oh, that's going to get a lot of sunlight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I look. I don't. I don't know that I would do this because. I, but but I'm just knowing. Like if you ask this question in a forum, one of the answers you're going to get is for people to just say, "Go get a marine varnish, something that has UV inhibitors in it. Uh, use that and uh, call it done." For me personally, I don't care because like I don't I, the way that looks. I don't like the thick film of a marine varnish on an interior project. That would be a no go uh, for me. So I would probably use something that would be easy to refresh uh, whenever I feel like it needs it. So I would go more toward a lighter duty finish, something like a hard wax oil. Duty. I think would be a good <laughs> duty. Anytime you say duty, okay. uh, a hard wax oil would be a good choice. And if you start to see, you know, some kind of breakdown on it, you can go back and apply a new coat and freshen it up. Um, but yeah, I just I, I personally, it's a visual thing, a look to it. Um, and also, you know, think about the wood that you're using because that wood may change over time with um, a lot of light exposure too. So you got to think about whether you want to prevent that from happening and pr- by layering on as much UV inhibitor finish as you possibly can or just kind of let it age naturally. If it's something like cherry or mahogany, that might look really cool because that stuff gets you know, pretty dark when it's exposed to a lot of sun over time. So Toby said he needs help uh, edge banding. And I just quickly, we have a video for that. but yeah. it's like episode 33. Right. That's an old <laughs> it's one. It's an old one. Big time old one. So there you, you go. You know, I forgot Toby. to mention when I mentioned these earlier, I yeah. never said where you can get them. Uh, yeah, I put it in the... Did you? I put a link in the chat room, okay, but well, you anyone, might want to say. Yeah, anyone listening to the audio, if you are interested in these circle templates that I made, uh, just go to twwstore.com. Or you can go to the woodwhisper.com slash store. Yeah. It's all going to go to the same yeah. place. And that's where we have these. I'm seeing them st- sitting there and I'm like, I don't think I even said where you can get them from. <laughs> I put a link in the chat. I <laughs> uh, got a super chat here from Drew Miles. Drew. He wants to, he says, do you mind talking more about your new beginner course you're working on? I'm con- I consider myself an intermediate woodworker and I'm curious if it's something I can still learn from. Thanks. Yeah, I think um, I'm still developing the idea. I'm still acquiring the tools. My Just goal, got a bandsaw, a yeah, yeah. tabletop bandsaw, right? Yeah, and I, what I'm trying to do is get a set of tools that I can kind of start my projects with. And then as I start the projects, I'm going to try to minimize the number of tools that I use. So I may ha- already have things that may not make it into this first beginner kit. I need to build the projects that are in that first series before I can make that claim as to which tools you need. I'm trying to keep all the tools total in terms of like major tooling below $1,000. And I'm also trying to get the bits, you know, if I say you have to have a drill, I'm going to also want to tell you you need drill bits. Uh, Clamps are going to be something that I would like to include in that $1,000. It's hard to do. Mm -hmm. This is very hard to do uh, just because things are expensive. Uh, So I'm doing my best to make it a very modest tool set. Now, as far as what we're building, this is something I've given a lot of thought to because where, where does this fit into, into the world of education that's available out there? And my first thought was to go go do some of the more DIY, mm-hmm. you know, two by fours sort of thing. But then I, that's not that's not me. And what I really want this to be, I want it to be something that takes a new woodworker, whether they are total new, intermediate, something in that range, but someone who wants to get into fine woodworking, uh, not someone who is just going to be okay doing you know the the more basic stuff out there and using pocket screws on every project. He's going to challenge you. Yeah, I want to challenge people, but it's got to be people who have their sights set at a higher goal, and that higher goal 
is the guild, mm -hmm. right? People who aspire to to make the kind of furniture that we make in the guild. I want to be at the front of the line ushering them in. Which is funny because the guild is still very... Approach. We have so many beginner woodworkers in there, too. That We do. And those people, I, th I think, if you're looking at the total population, are the exception. Yeah. These are people who, number one, have the budget for a fairly nice set of tools. They're able to be self-taught, so they have an aptitude for this already, and they've learned from videos and things like mm -hmm. that. And then they come into Guild and just knock something out. But there's a lot of resources that went into that person being able to yeah. accomplish that. Um, so I really want to – like, I don't want to call it Guild Light. You know, but if there were a if this if the guild is a university, this is like the middle school before that, high school or high school. There you go. Something something before that. <laughs> it's high school. <laughs> I, what do I know? I'm like yeah, I got through school, Nicole. Uh, I I'm actually excited by it because mm -hmm. I'm thinking of participating as the person building the item. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're hoping to do is is have that beginner perspective. Mm -hmm. We we don't know if it's going to work because. Getting Nicole to be in the shop for long hours, day after day but on a project. But you told me these really projects hard. are meant to be like one or two days. Ideally, I it would be do, a weekend project. I can do one or two days. But like when you're putting, let's say you're putting a table together, right? You can do the most basic joinery possible, right? You could do pocket screws and call it done. And it would be fine. And it would be a great little piece of furniture. But what I'm trying to do is say, what is a way that we can do a more basic mortise and tenon joint? Mm -hmm. How do I teach them about you know, the fundamentals of fine furniture at a very basic level that's approachable and fun and interesting without completely going down, uh, going back to like literally stage one? Yeah. So it's, it's a weird Tomasa balance. Tomasa wants to know if I get my own apron. I'm yeah. better. You could wear I'm Ava's. better. You could wear Ava's. It'll just <laughs> be, right, be yeah. right up to here. It'll just cover your boobs. <laughs> Got to protect those, Nicole. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. so anyway, that is something. It's a side project. I have no dates on when it's going to come out. we got a lot of, man, we got a lot of irons in the fire right now. We do. Um, we do. But it is something that I am working on as time goes on. In no. fact, speaking of irons in the fire, yeah. everybody in, like a lot of people in the guild, I said everybody. It's not everyone. It's like two people. <laughs> two people. In, in the guild, I uh, had Andy um, make me a tapering jig based on my needs and what I wanted out of a tapering jig. So he came up with this great idea. And I showed it in the guild, in the guild meeting, and everybody's like, oh, this is great. Let's do it. Let's make one. And uh, that was last year. That was over <laughs> a year ago. And finally, this weekend, Andy and I are getting together to finally film how to make this tapering yeah. jig. And what I think I'm going to do is put that video out on the free site. And then we'll probably have like specific plans, measurements, and maybe even templates now that I have the ability to make them uh, that you can buy to make your own, you know, sort of get a kit, uh, but you just supply the wood and materials. Uh, and this tapering chick is really cool. If you guys know Andy, he comes up with really cool solutions for things. Um, but I think you're going to like it. So, Darth, uh, on your next question, but Darth Marcus is in the chat room and he just said, I totally dug the recent uh, guitar, giant guitar pick cutting board video. Oh, cool. So, Thanks, man. You know, funny thing about that, a comment that I got from a number of people that shows you the state of things in the creative people making content, mm -hmm. that a lot of people were expecting it to be a cutting board made from guitar picks. Oh, really? As opposed to wood. a wooden cutting board that looks like a guitar pick. Oh, interesting. Because we are in this, this age where people yeah. are trying to, you know, one-up their last idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the more outlandish, kind of crazy it is to, to repurpose a material to do something yeah. it wasn't intended to do. Well, it wouldn't be very... Practical. I wouldn't want to use it. But, I mean, especially if they were, like, disgusting used yeah, guitar yeah, picks yeah, are yeah. all sweaty and cruddy. Let's, let's cut some vegetables Ooh, on that. Yum. Let's cut a hot dog on that, Nicole. So, yeah, that, I thought that was kind of funny. Okay, uh, I got two more here. Actually, you have more than – which is your last one? My two. I, oh, I, yeah, I have Matt some. Matt Roberson is my last one. Uh, so, okay, so Nick Silva says, what's your step-by-step -step approach to sanding and finishing? I'm working on a small box that I rough assembled. Planed to joinery smooth. It's an interesting phrase. Uh, then broke. My sensual hot dog. My sensual. Uh, I want that hashtag to catch on. Oh my on. god. Yeah, like, Gary. Thank you. Sensual hot dog. Uh, what's your step-by-step -step approach for sanding? When I reassembled it, I noticed that a minute amount of sanding caused the mismatch on all the joints. Clearly, a beginner mistake. How can I avoid this type of problem in the future? Well, Nick, you avoid it by. Doing that final sanding after assembly, there are just some joints, and we've talked about this in the past in the context of a door. If you're making a door frame, like a frame and panel, uh, you might be tempted to pre-sand everything, get it just absolutely perfect, 
And then you do the glue up and suddenly things aren't perfect anymore. That's what happens. It'll happen every time. So your joints that were perfectly flush, now they're slightly mismatched. This is why we don't usually finish the frame and sand the, the final sanding of the frame until after the glue up is done. That is the only time you could be sure that things aren't going to move much anymore after that point. So that would be my recommendation. Don't do so much of that pre-finishing and um, you know pre-sanding uh, until the thing is glued together. Now, if you have maybe like a bookcase, right, or something where it's a little bit more predictable and you don't have exposed joinery, that's a situation where you can get away with a full pre-finish. Sand it perfectly, uh, get that finish on there, tape off your joints, and then glue that thing together. That's a great way to do it. But if you have a box and you've got joints, finger joints, dovetails, things like that, you're always going to need to do something after it's glued up. So don't bother doing the pre-finishing on, at least on the outside of something like that, because it's just going to mess you up. Got a super chat just now from Adrian uh, Abshire. He also did a question on Patreon post that mm -hmm. I'm going to bump. Mm -hmm. Howdy from beautiful Madison, Alabama. I finally figured this all out. <laughs> I'm so glad, Adrian. Well, thank you, Adrian. Uh, he was having trouble Adrian! knowing. <laughs> finally catching the live version of the morning show, I sent a question about my dust collection system, but not sure if it came through. Uh, now I have to figure out how to see the show and post my comments from Patreon. Uh, maybe I need two computers. Uh, he has a, what is that? Three-quarter Three horsepower quarter jet look-alike. Dust collector I bought used when I got my sauce up. Uh, it's getting stopped up when he uses planer. Any way to stop this? He has a four-inch hose. Yeah, the planer can be tricky sometimes because you're going to get big, you know, bigger shavings and bigger pieces off of that. And a lot of times on these dust collectors, if you look at the intake, there's sometimes a little crossbar in there, a little T-shaped crossbar that is there to prevent really big things from being sucked up and smacking into the impeller. Uh, so <laughs> does anyone have a trick for how you avoid this? Because I don't feel comfortable saying... Yeah, you know what? Just get a hacksaw and <laughs> take that little guard out of there. I don't know that that's a great way to go. Um, the only thing you could do is reduce the output that's coming out of the planer. So the only way to do that is to take lighter passes. So you may be getting clogs even with the light passes. I don't know. Um, but I don't really have a great solution for this other than taking it easier on the planer side of things. Mm. And does someone, that mean going slower? Yeah, well, you can't, so depending on the planer, you may not have feed control on mm -hmm. the speed. What I mean is don't take as deep of a cut. Gotcha. So take a finer cut, and you just may, it may take longer, but little baby cuts, and this way you're making smaller dust that it's easier for it to get through that little um, guard that's in place. Can, could he uh, set up like a portable cycl cyclone just yes. for that tool? Yeah, and Lee Patrick actually brought that up yep. as well. So there are dust separators, uh, cyclone separators. Um the, let's see, Clear, Clearview yeah. has one, yeah. the, the Mini, and Dust Deputy is another one. Oh, and you can up. get a bunch of off-brand ones. Rockler has one as well. Uh, and you can even build your own. Um, what are they, Thane Baffle, T-H-E-I-N or I-E-N, I before E. I don't remember. Uh, but you can build your own. The separator goes between the dust collector and your tool, and this way it separates all the heavy stuff, you know, drops out, and the fine stuff passes through. through. Um, sometimes it, it lowers the amount of total suction, but it's better than getting clogs, right? Yeah. So that's that actually, I'm glad someone said that. I'm glad you said that because that's actually the best answer. I uh, got a super chat here from Josh <coughs> Doolittle. He says, how's the barn door doing? Is it open or closed? <laughs> We're, good. We're good. I'll tell you what, though. I was sitting uh, after we got the kids out in the mm. car. I came back in, sat down on my laptop, and I sat down and looked. And I was like, mother. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like sometimes I get dressed in the morning and you just I'm just get busy. I'm ready to get going. Get All right. Sorry about that. I think we're okay now, guys. So uh, Ian, the barefoot woodworker, wants to know: Is there an easy way to attach dust extraction to my PM 14 inch bandsaw? The standard port is useless. You know what? That's all First, I do. Put some shoes on. <laughs> yeah, don't woodwork uh, bare, barefoot. Um, that's all I do. I use the standard port. It's not perfect, but it's as good as I can get it right now. <clears throat> I have not done anything sort of aftermarket. I'm just trying to look at it over here, which is why I'm doing that. Yeah, uh, aftermarket, I don't know if there's any modifications you can do that would improve it or, you know, what can be done about that. Um, but for me, you know, a decent amount of, uh, you know, cubic feet per minute does a decent job, but it's definitely not perfect. So I agree with you. It's not, not the best. Um, the other thing you might try to do 
it's just hard to do if you have a fence and other things there. Um, sometimes you can actually get one of those bendable things that you could put on the end of a dust collection run. So you could split it off, collect from the base, but then also have something that collects in a chute, like at the top on the table. So you can actually collect while you're cutting. Here. <clears throat> Sorry. I don't know how well that's going to work. <laughs> um, anyone else have ideas for that? I mean, the 14-inch jet... You're probably looking at that when No, you're, it's a Powermatic. Well, jet, that's what I'm saying. The 14-inch oh. Jet, the Powermatic, they're going to be pretty much the same. And then you got, you know, Grizzly. Um, like, all those formats are probably going to be collecting in a, a very similar way. But if there's a better way, let me know because I'd like to do it. I got a question here from Matt Robertson. I will uh, read. You drink. Uh, do you use the factory blade with your Capex or did you give it an upgrade? Uh, and for the oh, for the after show, yeah, <laughs> they want it, he wants to help you brainstorm for April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I already know what my April Fools is going to be. Oh, do you? It's going to be uh, the CNC Whisperer. Oh. I have the stock blade in there. Here's the good thing about a you know Capex. You're paying a lot of money. You should get a pretty damn good blade in there. Um, so you should not have to replace that anytime soon. Uh, I have the factory blade in there, and I'm very happy with it, and haven't. You know, because it's a fairly new saw for me, it's going to be a while before I think about replacing it. And then when I replace it, you know what I'll probably get? Uh, the Festool one. Uh, Robert Price just did a super chat and said, uh, for improving the audio, it's just, the computer just needs to be repeated. There's nothing, this, is, this is not a problem that money can solve. Yeah, but thank you for yeah. the super chats. Um, Jamie uh, Grassi says that the PM2000 dust collection is horrible. Horrible. So here's a thing you might look into, Jeannie. I was talking with Joseph Mensch recently. He sent me a link to Micro Jigs. It's a little magnetic shield that you cut to size and you put it over the, um, you know, the handle that's in the front that, uh, well, the handle in the front adjusts the height, but the slot that's there is to adjust the bevel. So this little magnetic strip uh, goes in front of that and blocks that hole off. So I don't know how much that actually improves the dust collection, but it might be something to look into um, that may improve how much it's getting into that little chute. Ian, Ian is <laughs> in the chat. And he says, it's 3.30 a.m. here in Austra Australia. Whoa. Thanks for your help. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, Ian. Go to bed. Get some sleep. <laughs> Get some sleep, yo. Uh, and I am not left-handed. I just wear my watch on my right hand. It is something I've done since I was a kid. Yeah, that's super weird. You're weird. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only right-hander that Yeah, you wears... get your preferences. I'll tell you what. When I was in grade school, I had a calculator watch. Yeah. And I wore it on my right. Nerd. Yeah. Because to me, my right arm was... That's my dominant yeah. arm. And I felt like if I have an accessory, mm. I want the accessory on my dominant yeah. arm. And But over as I got older, yeah. you know, and matured... Peer, peer pressure. No, no, no. It was, just, it was just gaining knowledge yeah. about how the world works. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, though, in this case... You got an Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. If you're right-handed, you want to be able to actually tap and I, do things right-handed. I right do handed. fine. With, you're, you're more ambidextrous than I am. Uh, Joe Clemmer uh, <laughs> asked on Patreon, uh, when working a slab, would you recommend filling the checks and cracks with epoxy in advance for flattening? I would. Yeah. Yeah, just stabilize them, get them all filled, and do the flattening after. If it's really severely out, maybe do a pre-flattening to get it close. Because if you start putting a bunch of epoxy in there and then you just kind of dig through it with a router bit, um, you may get through the epoxy portion and you have to do another treatment afterwards. Um, so maybe do a little bit of a, a pre-flattening. But ultimately, I like to get all the epoxy in there first and then work it down from there. Uh, did you get Nick Silva's question? No, but Jeannie, keeps she, she reminded me that it's the, uh, the, the tube, her dust collection thing, oh, yeah, the yeah. flex tube yeah. keeps coming out. Anytime she changes the bevel on the yeah. saw, which is a pain. I wish I could tell you what to do, Jeannie, because mine doesn't do that. Hmm. It sucks that she's got that problem, though. It should seems she, like it should be an easy thing to solve. Has she contacted their tech support? I know she's gone yeah. through some hoops to, to try to fix it. Uh, this is our last question because we're way past time. <laughs> okay. Nick Silva. Hi, Mark. What is your step-by-step -step approach to sanding and finishing? We already did that. Did we? Are, oh, mm -hmm. You said you didn't answer his. No, I did. Okay. Well, then we're done. <laughs> We are done. I did, I did grab some questions, and, you know, we'll go into the after show with some of those. I like Jeremy's uh, thoughts here. He says, learning how the world works. Like, if you get ridiculed for something, you stop doing that thing. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> I, uh, I did not stop doing it. Okay. I'm, I'm a strong woman. Matt Stone says that cool kids had a Swatch watch, and the geek kids. Oh, I had a Swatch watch. 
Hold on a second. Geek Kids had the calculator watch. Yep, and now the calculator watch kids are all telling the other kids what to do. That's not true, because I had a Swatch watch. They were the bosses. I had one Swatch watch. You were supposed to have like three of them. Yeah, but, but you, I had one. You were in Missouri, which means you were wearing a Swatch watch five years after it was cool. Shut up. <laughs> that's, that's the way it works. At least yeah, it used to. Yeah. I think the internet has changed all that, but anyway. So yeah, okay. we try to keep this show to an 45 minutes, but today it's an hour. But we do a terrible yeah. job. <laughs> we're, we're not good at managing our time. Yeah, actually, no, we are. We're about uh, 50 minutes in. Oh, okay, okay. On actual elapsed time of the show. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. so thank you for watching, everybody. Um, we'll be back again on Friday of next week. Uh, just a quick reminder if you want to listen to this show via audio, you can do that. Um, I don't know if we're in every single directory. If we're missing in one, let me know and I'll put it in. But yeah. you should be able to find the morning we, show um, in, you know, Stitcher. And I just did the whole Google Play. Yeah, music we were thing. missing in Google Play, <clears throat> Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, all that stuff. Um, if you want to listen to the show in audio form because you're driving or you're in the shop, it's not a bad thing to do. Um, so just Google us or look for it in those particular directories. Okay. So if you are part of uh, the Patreon <clears throat> at really any level, you can come over and hang out with us in the after show. We're going to yeah, wrap things a, up. And we're going to do another show. There's the link to the Patreon post and for those. Yeah. So if you... Uh, if oh, you... Guild Project. Thank you for reminding me, Don. Yeah. And um, those of you who are waiting for the after show, give me a couple minutes. I'm going to reboot, and then we'll start up. Uh, I had... <coughs> Stop. <coughs> Close. Let me find my Patreon. Sorry. I had it, and then I lost it, and it was... <laughs> and then I lost it. I lost it. <laughs> I had the Patreon link, and I lost it. <laughs> Uh, this is how we, I, I pick from the questions that were submitted. I had 13 <laughs> Josh, questions. <laughs> Josh goes, don't forget to move your dislikes over to the likes. <laughs> uh, so number, number eight, number eight, one, two, three, four, four, five, six, seven, eight. Will Hooper. Will Hooper. Asking about the finish on the bookshelf. <laughs> Good job, Will. I will message you, Will, and I'll get you your project. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, again, after show happening in just a couple of minutes. Yep. Tune in for that, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.